As Americans, we cannot allow this to continue. Fighting the opioid crisis, what will the president's declaration of a public health emergency mean here in Indiana? We talk with Senator Joe Donnelly and Congressman Todd Rokita. Plus, we sit down with two of the candidates looking to replace Rokita in the House. And could you soon have to pay a toll to drive on I-465? State Senator Mike Delf on the tussle over tolling. And helping create new jobs in Indiana. And why Governor Holcomb made a cameo in a campaign ad in Illinois. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Congress and the president tackling the opioid epidemic. This past week, President Trump officially declaring a national public health emergency. But what will that mean here in the Hoosier state? And how does this all fit into the budget battle and the health care debate? And then there's the latest news on the Russia probe with the first charges set to be filed in the Mueller investigation. Matt Smith has the latest this morning. Hey, Dan, good morning. Those first charges in the case expected to be made public now tomorrow. According to numerous reports, a grand jury approved those charges Friday, but the judge has ordered them sealed. The investigation focuses on possible collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia, still waiting on exact details on who may be involved. All this now has the potential to overshadow the president's trip to Asia in the coming days. Meantime, this past week, the focus was on the fight against opioids nationwide and the president's declaration of a public health emergency. New this morning, reaction from right here in the Hoosier state. Beyond the shocking death toll, the terrible measure of the opioid crisis includes the families ripped apart. Ben Gonzalez knows the struggles firsthand. On any given day, we have to turn away plenty of people. A recovering heroin addict. Ben now works as a mental health clinician at Community North Hospital. And he also knows the massive resources needed to stop a growing crisis plaguing the state. At this point, with the level of resources that we have within this city, which compared to most, we do a really good job here. Within the city, there is definitely a significant issue. If you talk to anybody that works in an ER, they'll tell you that firsthand. At the White House, declaring a national emergency. We have seen a big spike in uh, the number of people who have overdosed and died from drugs, including opioids. Claire Fidian Green is president and CEO of the Richard M. Fairbanks Foundation and told us today Indiana's epidemic continues to worsen, noting a recent survey revealing 80% of Indiana employers are reporting misuse of prescription opioids among their employees. Everyone understands the enormity of the problem, but it is a very complex problem. And so it really does take everyone working together. As Americans, we cannot allow this to continue. And I'm really pleased that he's using his bully pulpit to focus the nation on what is affecting all of our lives. You know, uh, uh, the, the opioid addict just doesn't affect him or herself. It affects all families. Right now, we have 175 Americans dying a day from the opioid epidemic. This morning, we're also getting new reaction from Indiana Democrats. This past week, Dan, you caught up with Indiana Senator Joe Donnelly. What do you hope this means? Will this really make a difference here in Indiana and elsewhere? Well, what I hope it means is that we'll focus even more on this issue, that there'll be more resources brought to the issue. Last year, I was able to obtain almost $11 million for our state uh, that could be used for addiction treatment centers and, and similar type programs. I was able to 
um, with my Republican senator friend Kelly Ayotte, be able to change prescribing practices in the country as well. And so what I'm hoping the president does is can help pick up the ball on these, bring more attention to the process, bring more funding to the process so we can have more treatment centers, more uh, ability to deal with this while we also do things like change prescribing practices around our country. We've also heard a lot about the fight against opioids in the context of the healthcare debate and what happens next on healthcare. You have added your name to the list of senators uh, supporting the Alexander Murray proposal. Is there enough middle ground here in the Senate and in Congress in general uh, to find that kind of a middle ground on health care? If this vote, if this bill came up for a vote today, I think it would get close to 70 votes in the United States Senate. There's a huge, overwhelming majority ready to go to try to make sure that the, the bill that I'm co-sponsoring, which uh, helps to put in place those cost-sharing payments, which will reduce premiums for every Hoosier in the exchanges, which will make sure that uh, states have more chance and more opportunity to experiment, to come up with new ideas to try to help with the cost of health care. That will pass, and it will pass quickly if it's put on the floor for a vote. And, of course, that's the big question. If it's put on the floor for a vote, what will leadership decide to do? Uh, It's been another really interesting week there in the Senate, obviously. You had uh, Senator Jeff Flake announce that he will not run for re-election. Bob Corker recently as well. Of course, you are running uh, next year for re-election. But what do you make of uh, what's happening across the aisle uh, with some of these Republicans who have been critical of the president, Republicans that, that maybe you might work with to find middle ground on some of these issues, leaving the Senate. What did you make of Senator Flake's decision and his speech there on the Senate floor? Yeah, I, uh, I thought his speech was, was right on target. I thought it was courageous. I thought it was strong. And, and Jeff Flake and Bob Corker are folks that I have worked with on a regular basis to try to do things to move our nation forward. And so um, I've been proud to serve with them. I look forward to uh, continuing to serve with both of them uh, throughout next year. And, um, you know, my focus is on jobs, job creation, moving our country forward, doing it in a bipartisan way. And uh, Bob Corker and Jeff Flake were always uh, there by my side on those efforts. I want to ask you as well, while we have a second, about uh, the, the tragic situation overseas in Niger, as you do sit on the Senate Armed Services Committee uh, and received a, a closed-door briefing. I know you can't get into much of the details, but what are your concerns uh, based on what you're hearing about uh, what happened there overseas, uh, the president's response to this, but specifically with what happened uh, to our troops who were killed there overseas in Africa? Well, we had a briefing today, and, and while I can't get into the details, I can tell you it almost raised more questions um, than it answered. So many questions such as, um, what kind of support is there for our troops when they're out in the field in some of these more remote areas? Um, the equipment we use, the, the way we go about um, uh, conducting our operations. And so I am very, very concerned. Um, we're going to continue to press for more answers, continue to make sure that the missions that we are on are the right missions in the right places. Um, every one of our, our service members is a brother or sister, a mom or dad, And we want to make sure that whatever mission they're on is the right mission for the right reason and moves our nation forward. What did you make of the way the president uh, handled the situation uh, with 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 the the widow of of one of the fallen uh, service members who was killed? You know, I wasn't privy to the conversations. I just uh, uh, the whole situation is a sad one. And um, 
we wish we wish our military members were still alive and, and back home with their family. Senator Joe Donnelly, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Up next this Sunday in Focus, the governor weighing in on the toll road debate as State Senator Mike Delft talks about his plan to keep 465 from becoming a toll road. We want to say thank you. Thanks, Mike Madigan. Thank you. For raising Illinois taxes. For blocking rounds. Yeah, that was our governor there in a campaign ad airing in the state of Illinois. What's that all about? We'll tell you coming up. Now, with our panel today, Tony Samuel was vice chair of the Indiana Trump campaign last year. We've got two former Marion County chairmen with us today, Republican Mike Murphy, Democrat Joel Miller, and Indy Star columnist and opinions editor Tim Swearens. Lots going on this past week. There was the opioid declaration, uh, the news about the dossier, a budget bill, and this potentially ongoing split between establishment Republicans like Corker, Flake, and McCain and the president. What what stood out to you guys the most this week? Tony, I'll start with you. Well, I I see it as kind of a change in course here. For months, we've been talking about Russian, the Russian collusion, the fake news stories about the president and and, uh, Russia. And now I think we're seeing a, a turn to what's actually been going on that it was the Democrats that funded this for this dossier with, with Fusion GPS, and the tables are turning, and it looks like there's going to be a lot of folks on that side that are going to be in trouble. Still perhaps a mystery Republican that had uh, funded that early on uh, in that process as well. Mike, what are you looking I'd at? I'd have here? to focus on the flake speech. You know, the, the problem is anytime somebody disagrees with uh, President Trump, all of a sudden you're labeled a liberal because you happen to disagree. <laughs> Here's a senator with a very, very rock-solid conservative record who dares to challenge the president, and all of a sudden, you know, he's a liberal. And what happened, he's, he's got himself, he had himself in a mess because he loses the Trump wing of the party, but his conservative voting record is so conservative, he can't gain the moderates or the left, and so he is really, he really screwed himself he in the primary. He was in a tough spot there. What yeah. does all this mean for uh, Democrats as you look at the news of this past week? Uh, I think that it means that the Democrats have to get our game together and be on our game. It's not um, a situation where we're going to win simply because the Republicans are fighting each other. We have to get ourselves together. But what's happening in the Republican Party, I think, is unprecedented probably in all of our lifetimes, at least happening at the rate that it's happening, this kind of fight. So um, we're really in uncharted territory. Quite a scene this week there. It is, but politics aside, I think the opioid declaration has the potential to be the most important to to so many Americans. It truly is a national emergency, and it's an emergency here in Indiana. Uh, The declaration only goes so far. Now Congress is going to have to step up and and allocate some serious money. All right. Uh, As we talk about all of this with the president, we talk about uh, the situation there uh, with the split amongst Republicans. There's also a Fox News poll out, which has the president's uh, approval rating. Uh, guys, at 38%, this poll from Fox News that we're taking a look at here, 38% approving of his job performance. 57% say they do not approve of his job performance. And here in Indiana, the new Ball State Hoosier survey shows the president underwater in Indiana as well. 41% approve of the job he's doing as president compared to 45% who disapprove. Tony, what do you see looking at those numbers? I'm not concerned. It might surprise you or it might not surprise you, I guess, coming from me. But what we've seen, what I was saying earlier with the, the Russian collusion story and all kinds of, you know, every little thing 
that the media and the, the Democrats will come out and attack the president. It's taken a toll. It's taken a toll, and his numbers are now showing it. I do think we're seeing a turn here, and, and the president's getting some wins, uh, handling the opioid crisis very well, handling North Korea uh, very well, uh, got the budget bill passed, and he's going to get tax reform done. So I think those poll numbers six months from now are going to be totally different. He won here by 19 points in the Hoosier State. Are, are you guys surprised to see that, the poll, uh, did, to the turn uh, in his numbers here? Well, numbers go up and down. They will they will continue to go up and down. So he'll be higher, and he may be lower, lower, lower at some point. So I'm not too worried about that. What I found almost entertaining was I have a Facebook uh, base of liberals and conservatives because I enjoy the, the debate. And I had some of my Republican friends saying the Fox News poll was fake news, which I just laughed. I mean, when, you know, what's, what's fake news and what's not fake news anymore? It's just amazing. <laughs> All right, that poll, that same poll from Ball State uh, also took a look at the Indiana Senate race. In terms of name ID, there are six Republicans looking to unseat Joe Donnelly, including Congressman Todd Rokita and Luke Messer and State Rep Mike Braun. Only 38% of those Hoosiers surveyed recognized Rokita and Messer's name, while nearly 70% recognized Donnelly's name in that survey. Among uh, those who'd heard of Donnelly, 32% said there was a good chance they would vote for him. Uh, for Rokita and Messer, those percentages were 27 21% uh, respectively. What stands out to you guys when you look at this poll and, and three candidates here who certainly have been uh, trying to get on television a lot in recent weeks because of numbers like this, right? Yeah, two, two things. One, 30% uh, of Hoosiers don't know a senator who's been in office for five years. That's, that's kind of scary. Uh, the low Republican numbers aren't too concerning at this point. We're more than a year out from the election. They're going to have plenty of opportunity to get name recognition. These kind of polls really don't mean a whole lot this far out. What do you make of this, Jill? I agree that we're too far out for them to matter. Uh, what we really need to watch is that pretty soon a lot of independent f um, finances are going to come into this race and come into this state from special interests on both sides. And name IDs are going to go up. Positives and negatives are going to go up and down. Uh, quite a bit before the next election, and really the only poll that matters is on the first Tuesday after the first no, uh, Monday in November. And even some buzz about Mike Braun now, who is a super PAC. Yeah, Mike Braun is some of his own money. Mike Braun will be able to buy name ID, but uh, uh, you know, individually, personally financed candidates in this state have a very poor record of success. Um, set Hollingsworth aside because I don't think Zeller put that much effort into his race. Um, but if look, go back as far as Pat Rooney spent millions of dollars and got nothing out of it. Um, I think this poll that shows the, uh, the low name ID for Messer and Rokita, and Rokita actually ahead of Messer among conservatives, is just a guidepost for them. This is what we got to get serious about. And both of them have to get serious about issues. The Republican Party is frustrated with two candidates who trash each other and don't talk about their vision for the future. And I personally want to hear their vision, both of them. It seems like they've laid off a little bit of that in terms of the, uh, bashing the other candidate, at least in recent weeks. I don't know. Seems like it. I, I think we'll see more of it though. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty soon. Both um, Messer. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, Mike's got a great point. They both, in addition to the bashing, which they're going to do, <laughs> and 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 saying that they're going to align themselves with Trump now, which they're both doing now. Rokita did it first. They do have to uh, separate themselves and have a vision and a clear path for forward. Both Messer and Rokita voted for the GOP budget plan, which could pave the way for tax reform in Congress. That budget barely passed. Indiana Democrats put out this statement, accusing them of uh, potentially adding to the nation's debt. Uh, perhaps uh, for years, they say, Congressman Messer and Congressman Rokita have claimed they care about the nation's fiscal health, only for them to 
throw it all away and blow up the deficit when party leaders told them to, not perhaps the kind of thing you'd, you'd often hear, perhaps different sides saying different things than they might normally, but Indiana's Republican Party chair was talking about this issue of tax reform at an event Friday with Fisher's Mayor Scott Fadness. Uh, they say tax reform will help Hoosiers. We in Indiana have obviously been a little bit of a focal point of, of tax reform, partly because the vice president's our former governor, but also because of the success we've had in Indiana with tax reform, that we've shown that by cutting and capping and doing other uh, things with, with taxes that we're able to generate significant economic development, put ourselves on a right track. And this will really be the big issue, guys, over the next few weeks. Republicans trying to get this done by Thanksgiving. They need to get it done for two reasons. One, uh, they, they couldn't do anything with health care. They've got to deliver something, and tax reform is the, is the last big win they have a possibility of doing this year. The other one is, is the markets have built in this tax reform package. We've had an incredible run in the stock markets this year. If they can't get this done, be careful. How do Democrats look at this? I know a lot of pressure on Joe Donnelly to vote for a tax reform package once it comes out. Just hearing the Republican chairman talk about Indiana being a model for national tax reform, to me, um, I think that people need to remember that the household income of Hoosiers has been on the decline steadily under Republican leadership. So what they call economic development, I call less money for families to spend. All right. Meantime, we also want to show you a campaign ad that caught our eye in the state of Illinois featuring the governor of Indiana. I want to say thank you. Thanks, Mike Madigan. Thank you. For raising Illinois taxes. For blocking rounders reforms. And helping create new jobs in Indiana. In Wisconsin. Governor Holcomb and the governors of Missouri and Wisconsin jokingly saying thanks to Illinois' Speaker of the House as part of a campaign ad for Illinois' Republican governor. Governor Holcomb and other states that border Illinois thanking their state's speaker for raising taxes, which they say uh, drove jobs out of Illinois and Indiana and other nearby states. That ad, as we said, for Illinois' Republican governor is running for re-election. Uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek there, but uh, quickly, Mike, what do you think about uh, Holcomb's campaign cameo? In well, Illinois? I think it's clever. I mean, Indiana has such a, a much better record than Illinois does uh, when it comes to all kinds of issues, including taxes and regulation and everything else. Uh, Madigan is the symbol of the old, tired, corrupt, union-oriented uh, administration for the last several decades. Office a long and even time when they have Republican time. governors, he does block them. So uh, the more Mike Madigan is there, the better off we are here in Indiana. People are moving from Chicago to Lake and Porter counties and other places nearby. And with the improvements in the South Shore, you're going to see that flow continue. All right. Meantime, the governor weighing in Friday on the tolling debate, directing INDOT to remove I-465 from their studies on tolling. This after a state senator came out this week to say he was ready to write legislation to prevent it from happening. Our Brian Bondis spoke with State Senator Mike Delf. It's dishonest. Um... It's outrageous. I mean, it's just out, absolutely outrageous. State Senator Mike Delf is fired up. The Indiana Department of Transportation is even studying the feasibility of tolling on 465. And he's not alone. Oh, no. I don't want that. You know, inside the city, you know, you should be able to move around without having to get... A, a fee or a penalty of that. And that's what Delf says he thought was the case. He says last session he had an amendment written up for the long-term road funding plan that would prohibit the state from putting tolls on I-465. He says the Senate leadership at the time told him that was unnecessary, calling it a non-issue. To now have 
the Indiana Department of Transportation uh, publicly state that, yes, we are looking at tolling I-465 is just remarkable, and it's very sad. However, a spokesperson for INDOT says tolling on 465 was never off the table, and it's important to study all the interstates in Indiana. Being at the early stage that we are, it's really important to capture comprehensive data. So we're looking at all of the major interstate routes uh, to determine what the feasibility is and what potentially would make sense. Today, Senator Delft tweeted that he'll plan to introduce legislation next year to prevent INDOT and the executive branch from even having the option to toll on 465. People better watch their wallets. People better watch their pocketbooks because I am very fearful that broad-based tolling is coming to Indiana. Again, the governor saying Friday 465 will not be a part of that study. Up next, we're sitting down with two of the candidates running in the 4th Congressional District in the race to replace Todd Rokita. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This week, I sat down with two of the candidates for Congress in the state's 4th Congressional District, former State Rep Steve Braun and former Pence aide Diego Morales. Let me, let me tell you, since I arrived in this great state, from my native Guatemala, I arrived always with that idea to contribute, to give back, to love America, and to prosper Indiana. I have a lot of experience in the private sector, and I think that that business experience is a great foundation. Uh, it was really in, significant in informing what I did in the legislature. Had a great run there. It was only one term, but got involved in a lot of important legislation like the Regional Cities Bill, creating the Career Councils, uh, both important bills that were part of what Governor Pence called his legacy bills. We have more of those interviews on our website and on next week's edition of In Focus. We're back with this week's winners and losers right after this. Right now, this week's winners and losers in politics. Tony, you're up first. President Trump for the big week that uh, that he had, that I stated, the reasons I stated earlier, and also Senator Mike Delf for standing up for uh, no tolling on 465, getting a front page article out of the star. Mike. My winner has to be Jeff Flake. Courageous speech before the Senate, and a loser is the American people for losing the voices of four thoughtful U.S. senators. I think the losers are uh, moderate Republicans who are losing ground in their own party to a radical wing. And I think the winners are the FFA and the city of Indianapolis for a great convention this week. I'll echo that. 50,000 winners uh, in blue coats <laughs> in downtown this week. But they need to go home now because we need our downtown back. There you go. Thank you all for being here this week. And thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. Okay, so we're hanging out in between segments here with our panelists this week. Tony Samuel, Mike Murphy, Joel Miller, Tim Swearin's all with us. Uh, so none of you were here last week when we launched the podcast, but now we're just kind of hanging out uh, in between segments talking about some of the things happening in politics this week. There was a lot going on uh, this past week, as there always has been, but uh, it seems like we're talking about a lot of retirements, a lot of people looking at, at 2018 and saying, maybe not, maybe I'm out. Jeff Flake, uh, Bob Corker, obviously, <clears throat> hearing that Orrin Hatch may retire as well. He's in his 80s, maybe a different story than, than Flake and Corker. But it's an interesting dynamic as we look ahead to next year's Senate races. It, it definitely is. A lot of Republican infighting. Uh, Bob Corker and, and Jeff Flake uh, strongly denouncing uh, the president. And then George W. Bush giving a speech uh, as well, uh, sort of subtly attacking, maybe not so subtly attacking the president. 
Tony and Mike, you, you guys may look at this Republican infighting from different sides of the spectrum. Uh, how did you see what took place this past week? Well, I, if I were the president, if I were the chairman of the Republican Party, I would be concerned because what we're losing is a lot of thoughtful experience in the U.S. Senate. And the president's going to need those people because you can't just play to the Tea Party all the time. You need, you know, again, you need, you need thoughtful people that are willing to weigh in and can go across the aisle and get votes. The president can't just play to one, one slice of the party, and I'm concerned. Is this a victory for the White House, though, some of these retirements this past week? You can, you can look at it that way. And Mike's right. You do need thoughtful people with experience. But uh, I, for one, am glad to see some of these folks that are constantly critical of the president uh, leaving. And Joel, how do you look at it from across the aisle? He's smiling. <laughs> How's that? Um, no, I think uh, national... Republican publication said today in an editorial that this isn't a, a civil war in the Republican Party. It's a surrender of the Republican Party to Donald Trump. And I think that that's a lot of what we're seeing here. I believe Bannon called uh, each of these retirements another scalp. And um, I think that what we're seeing is a complete realignment of the ideals of the party. Although Democrats shouldn't be smiling all that much. I mean, they've got their own problems. Uh, they're becoming, they're, they're becoming the, yeah. you know, the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren party. <laughs> And that's not where Americans are. All right. We're hanging out uh, in focus. Listen next week in focus on the go.